All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Real Life, a podcast from the Nation Network. I got 50, I got 50 for days. Brought to you by Finning Canada, the parts you need when you want them. We return on the Real Life podcast brought to you by Finning Canada, all the parts you need in one place, 1.4 million parts at your fingertips. It's Finning Canada. Jason Greger. We have Jason Strudwick from TSN, Wanye Gretz, the uh, founder of Oilers Nation, and a very special guest uh, joining us uh, in studio, a longtime uh, NHLer. Just finished off his uh, season, uh, heading back home to uh, Minnesota. Matt Hendricks joins us. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Let me interject very quickly, Gregor. What did I ask you when we started this show? I said, please, for God's sakes, don't put me in front of an oiler. I beg you, Gregor, no (laughs) celebrities on the show. Gregor, when you're interviewing the Pope, don't have me on the show. And you said what? No. You said, yes, Wanya, you'll never have to meet a celebrity if we do the show for 30 years yeah, and Matt's, we get a Matt's plaque. Down. He doesn't like and the And we're, turn. what, 21 episodes in? I've done, what, three of them? So I'm working my ass off, and now who's, <laughs> who am I sitting in front of? <laughs> Jesus. We can swear on this thing, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these pussies don't. Wanya, that's the second week in a row you've disrespected me. I'm a, a quasi oiler and a celebrity. You've been with me for 20 weeks. Yeah, but it's okay because I know you. Oh, God. The, so, the fear is out of me. I don't know him. I'm scared. I don't know. If I saw him out in public, I wouldn't say a word. I just slink past. Now I got to talk to him for 43 minutes. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Wanya. He's a big fan. Yeah, big he, fan. Huge fan. He's a, he's a big Thanks, fan. We could go into cool. detail. He's a little bit nervous. Now, I had uh, two rattlers earlier, and Str- fucking Stradwick gr- judged me earlier. What's a rattler? A rattler is a beer. Oh. It's got grapefruit in it. When's the last time you went to the bar? Yeah, my wife drinks those. They're delicious. They're great. Two to even me out <laughs> in the middle of the afternoon. Grapefruit beer? <laughs> yeah, they're delicious. 
What do you might as well just drink a cooler? Yeah. What the hell well, is no, that? There's beer were, in it. Were they all out of wine spritzers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Down the YMCA, I was all behind <laughs> drinking out of a paper bag. You don't get to pick. The guy hands you the thing and you drink it. Matt, uh, you ever, have you ever drank a rattler, Matt? I don't think I have. Like no. a rattler bomb? It sounds kind of like a Palm Bay or a cherry whiskey. Yeah, yeah, it's not a beer. Drink. It's basically. Yeah. Oh, it's a beer. Like, yeah. oh, are we out of real drinks? Oh, damn. It's at the end it's of the party. It's, it's, at the of the, it. it's at the bottom of the cooler. Oh, my God. And the guy's like, oh, God, I guess I'm bombed. I'll you drink ordered Bacardi Limon, which means you have to be at a bar that was founded in the 1990s to still carry that in stock. It's embarrassing. It's rum and water. Bacardi Limon. People look at you like you just got out of prison. Like, have you not had a current drink in 10 years? Most people have heard of Bacardi Limon. No one knows what the hell a rattler is. They thought it was a snake. What's currently for sale in stores is not the old junk you drink, I guarantee you. It's right in the stores. It comes in special, like, extra large bottle because it's that popular. Hendo, let's get to you. Do you judge people based on what they drink? Alcoholic drinks. And you got to be honest on this. Just tell us the truth because I do. Just so I do. I would... uh... First time meeting somebody, I would definitely, right. I think I would judge them. You know, if I knew the person a little bit better, I'd probably just start giving them, you know, some jabs back and forth. But what oh. do you? What's your drink of choice? Uh, like, do you drink? I like now, to, like dabble, I like to dabble in just about everything. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. No. But I'm more of a beer guy, probably. Now that the summer's rolling around, I'll start getting into a few IPAs here and there. So now that you're in Canada, like when you go home for the summer, is that what you miss the most? That you have real beer because when well, you go to America, you're drinking we've got like a lot of microbrews in, in Minneapolis. So. Oh, okay. Some of those microbrews are no joke. I had nice. them the other day. It was like eight point one percent, and here we are making fun of American beer. Like yeah. the microbeers got some hooch in them. They're pretty fun, and I got some good, uh, some great neighbors back home that we kind of got our own little, kind of our we're like our little cycling team. So we like to cruise down, and go for you know thirty miles, and have a beer, and turn around, and come back. So. I thought you were going to save like a still at home and make your yeah, own booze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, we got a bathtub we make gin in. Oh, delish. <laughs> Maybe someday, but not, not yet. <laughs> Are you a big cyclist guy in the yeah, off-season? Yeah, I like to ride in the off-season quite a bit. I got into it a couple of years ago. Um, you know, for me, it, it just beats sitting on the stationary. You yeah. know, and you can get kind of fancy with your pedals and stuff so you can read your wattage and kind of basically do everything I try to do on a, on a Kaiser or whatever. Now, you guys never played in the orders at the same time, but... Um, did you, because uh, you guys live in the close vicinity yeah. in the same neighborhood, like, did you ever measure one of your legs, Matt, to see if it's as wide as both of Strud's? <laughs> I don't think we ever got down to that one, did we? Yeah, was, but it'd be close, though. Have you seen his, have you seen his tree trunks? Yeah, I have, but we had to have enough rattlers for that to happen. Uh, <laughs> oh, my but God. I, you haven't had a rattler in 15 years, and look at you. You look like you haven't been drunk in 10 years tops. <gasps> well, I was in Lethbridge this past weekend. We we got after it pretty good. Did you? Yeah, but Hendo, I want to know, your, what, yeah. is your, what is your policy on bike shorts? Oh, good Ooh, question. Yeah, That's cutting edge. That's a great question. My wife loves it, though, when I put them on. She gets a good chuckle out of it. So you put this to tight ones on? No. Oh, yeah. Do you have bum pads? Or yeah, just... there's a little bump. Oh, you got to have bum. Yeah. If he's going 30 miles, man. Yeah, you get into those long-distance rides. You you know, you're out there for two hours. And so, no, you just tight? Like, do you wear shorts? Because what I do, I wear shorts over top of those. No, I don't do that. You just roll right out there, I respect there, eh? the sport too much. Wow. Thank you. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, God. God. <laughs> you don't respect yourself? <laughs> oh, I hang in the back of the pack. <laughs> do, you, do you ever wear those? Now, are you a prankster? Yeah, a little bit. Do you ever wear them into the room to loosen the guys up? No, I haven't done that. But uh, oh, what was the worst I've done? I think I just went just bibs only last summer for a ride. It was pretty embarrassing. Bibs? I got a good picture to show you. the Bibs only? Just What's bibs? bibs? Well, it's the shorts, but they're actually bibs. 
Well, no, I still don't know what a bib is. It it's, like a one, it's like a, a, it's a, a, it's like a one piece. Yeah, a swimming suit. What? People oh, wear yeah, that oh, biking? Yeah, one yeah, piece. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're like terrible. A wrestler. They're interesting. Yeah. So that you're wearing like a wrestler's Just, one piece. That's exactly what it looks like. Really? And I went, I went tops optional. Guns flexing, yeah. eh? How do you yeah. not know that? Because you ride a tandem bike probably. Like, oh, I'm no, more of the tandem bike type. You know, well, I've got a road bike, but I don't wear anything like that. Like, I'm quite shy. Obviously, I don't want to, like, I don't want to intimidate anyone, so yeah. I don't wear <laughs> just a GoPro on the top of your helmet, yeah, no, and yeah. all safety vest, <laughs> going down the middle of the street, one mile an hour. Yeah. So who are you riding with? You got a bunch of guys back yeah, there? Yeah, I got neighbors, and the more I've talked about it, there's a few other guys. Uh, Brock Nelson's a... Uh, Get plays up with the Islanders. Yeah, he's in my area now. He's excited to get out on the bike with me. He thinks any power, any power in his legs. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to keep up. But do you have to drop guys? Like, is that hard when you someone drops off the back and you circle back and pick them up? No, I'll meet them when I come back. (laughs) Well, you never leave a marine behind. You just leave them. They got to catch up. Oh, that's cool. When they're training, I got to. That's work. So when you're training on the bike, are are you doing like interval training? Like, are do you do you like to just go at a steady pace? They have good cardio, or you like in every mile or so that you you know gear down or something to test yourself so the about next twice a week i'm going about 90 miles or 90 minutes i apologize that okay. roughly depending on wind i'll probably be around 32 miles um Jeez. i'm trying to push trying to do a few things i'm trying to push an, on average 300 watts for 90 minutes and then i'm trying to keep my cadence between you know 80 78 and what was the other one i'm trying to do I touched on heart rate, touched on watts, touched on cadence. But I'm trying, the big thing is to keep my heart rate in that training zone, that 140 to 150 area. Huh. And I have a low, That's... I have a pretty low resting heart rate. So another guy that I'm riding with, his, like Ryan Jones, ex Oiler. Yeah, yeah. He's got a crazy heart rate. He'd be riding that same ride and he'd be pushing about 180 to 190. Really? So, yeah. No. I do not understand a single measurement in that entire statement. Yeah, well, we like got, your, uh, a we bike got, ride's like, I go for 10 minutes, and I come back, you're talking about, like, beats per minute yeah. and electrical outage. That's a science. Like, wow. I mean, I'm 35 now. Struddy would attest when, when he was back playing. The science in today's games, it's incredible. And we've got a great group down there. You know, starts with Simon Bennett and Body by Bennett, which I'm sure you guys have heard of, but then Chad Drummond and Joel Schneider, the guys that are actually in-house with us at the at the new rink every day. They do a great job in testing us and getting all these numbers and helping keeping us in good shape. Did you feel you're 35 now from the age of like 31 to, did you find you were actually getting faster? Like obviously you can get stronger yeah. and leaner, but did you notice like, did you in all your tests at the start of the season, were you faster the even one, in your thirties? I, I would have for sure. Like my VO two, all this stuff improved because I was training the right way to do it. Okay. You know, when I was 25, I kind of gave up on a strength coach in the off season. I said, you know what? They're just mot- all they're trying to do is motivate me. I don't need motivation. I had my own, so I just go in, and my goal is just to outwork everybody else. You know, do my own thing, but just be in better shape than everybody else. But I wasn't necessarily training the right way for my sport, and that's what I've learned as I've gotten older, and it's definitely helped me. I think. Now, what about skill training, like? You know, the players now, their skills coaches, that never, when you were a rookie, I don't think there's such right. thing. Other Like the team might have had one guy for the whole team and right. you get to stick handle the puck twice at practice. Okay, good good work. Right. Now guys have a specific skills coach. And you, yeah, and you worked with Adam Oates. How, right. much, right. how much of a difference did that make in your career? Well, Oates, he was tremendous for me just in the way that he could talk to me about the game because it was different than just X's and O's and such things like that. It was 
and there was always a reason why behind what he was trying to preach and what he was trying to teach me. And he would teach me one thing and he'd teach Strutty something else and you something else and you something else. It was different with every guy trying to hone their skill, make them a more skilled player. And I benefited from it. And I think other players do because in the regular season, we don't have a lot of time to work on our skill. Um, Woody, one of our assistant coaches, he, he helps us at the beginning of practice. We do some extra work, but it's not very, it's like 10 minutes of everybody in a line and you get a pass and shoot it, make a pass, get a pass and shoot it. And at the NHL, for me, the most I touch the puck is in a skating drill or a shooting drill. And I make a pass, get a pass back, go down and take a shot. I mean, pucks on my stick for maybe four or five seconds and that's it. So when you, when, when I look at NHL guys that are, are very skilled, they're on the power play, like a Connor, for example, the amount of pucks on his stick in a game compared to a guy like me, it's gotta be triple <laughs> at least. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and what I'm yeah. saying is that the more skill work that you put in now in the off season, is only going to help you in the game. You look at the young players coming up now and, and that's all these kids do. It's gone away from how much can you squat, how much can you bench, how much can you push on a sled to just being skilled and being great. And you, you got to fit your training in there. You've got to be strong, but you don't have to spend hours and hours in the gym. So how do you carve up that pie? You know, at any given day, you have X, 100% of energy, right? Yeah. And you have to somehow figure out, you know, determine, how do you determine how much to dictate to, or to put towards working out and how much towards skill and how has that changed? Let's say the numbers from when you were 25. Cause I know when I was playing, it was like 99 to one, right? You know, it was ridiculous. And right. I, I wonder what your numbers are now. And this would kind of go towards your, for me, skating's a skill. I wasn't oh, born yeah. just a great skater. I, I had to work at it and I've been using a, a skating coach in the summer now for a number of years. So that's something that usually I'd put my skates on August 1st, you know, July yeah. 28th and just, you know, skate three, four days a week until training camp. Now I'm skating at the beginning of June, a couple times a week for an hour with a, with a skating coach on edge work and different things. Uh, yep. All that stuff. So that's definitely now that's almost conditioning to a point. It's not wind sprints for the hour you're out there, but you got to divide it up. And I would definitely say that the amount of time in the gym goes down significantly faster for me than it did when I was, you know, 27, 28 years old. I'd spent a lot more time in the gym consistently throughout the summer. Now I'm in there pretty heavy at the beginning and, you know, it starts tapering off more at the end. And Chad Drummond, even uh, in my program for this summer, talked to me about, you know, especially the first couple of weeks in June, doing a lot of pool exercises, a lot of your plyos and stuff in the shallow end of a pool, just, you know, to save your hips and your knees and your ankles and so now so you would uh, i mean I, I i take my uh, kid swimming i might have to learn how to do something in the pool at the press of time so are you talking like you would just do like <laughs> lateral lunges in the pool right i'll he's gonna send me some ideas but yeah you're gonna do a lot of stuff in the pool and and, and the theory is because you're not doing it there it there's less wear and tear like i understand the there's whole physics behind the water so you're not doing as much weight you're just doing body weight in a the lot water. of this would be what maybe you'd call mobility training okay going through the motions getting your your hips and your knees and everything. For me, it's not about getting stronger anymore. I I don't really need to get any bigger, any bigger in size. So my strength is is what it is, and it's not going to change. For me, it's mobility, staying active. So, you know, towards the end of June, when I get on the track, I'm feeling good. You so you know you're saying, are you a runner? You get on the track? Oh yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. 
you got to work on my sprints and so how does that look okay well, yeah, Barney, me, I don't know, how do we do this what's the pecking order when you're no, talking to an active oiler we weren't uh, supposed to ever do this so we didn't have a protocol <laughs> jeez gregor makes jokes but I actually really am a big fan of yours yeah. and like i respect the fact that you worked your way into the show right maybe you can for people who are listening there's eight of them who don't necessarily know yeah. your arc and how you came to the nhl maybe you could just kind of walk us through you got drafted yeah i can uh i got drafted out of blaine high school back in minnesota um by the nashville predators right could, out of high school yeah I does that blow everybody. your mind out of your head when you're in grade 12 and you get drafted in the nhl <laughs> it was pretty neat yeah, yeah. I was everybody like you're the king we had no <laughs> idea yeah, it was pretty good i like to joke around i was the first overall pick too. <laughs> fifth round no but, you know, but it doesn't matter but yeah so i was drafted and uh, i went to play at st cloud state looked at signing after my junior year and where is st cloud state that's uh, about an hour north of Minneapolis. Okay, so it's right your yep. hometown boy. You're yep. going to play for St. Cloud State, yep. 18 yep. to 22. The Huskies. Yeah, 18 to 22. Living on campus? Um, The first year on campus yeah. in the dorm life. Second year, second, third, and fourth, lived in an apartment They're with your teammates. Own. Wild times. We had a like... lot of fun back yeah. then. <laughs> Can't imagine that's boring. Like, yeah. thank God we got out of there. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, those are good times. So then you go to Milwaukee. Yeah, so that was Nashville's farm team. I left school, went to Milwaukee, was fortunate enough to be a black ace and take warm-ups for the Calder Cup winners that year. So I got to witness that and experience that with them. It was a really good time, you know, especially after leaving school and we didn't have a great year that year. Um, from there, I went and uh, the lockout hit, the 0405 lockout. Kind of bad timing, hey, it for was just bad. getting established. It was really bad timing. Yeah. So the money wasn't very good coming from Nashville because – the lockout Nashville didn't spend a lot of money they dumped all their eggs in one basket because they wanted to get Ryan Suter in right for that year into Milwaukee get him a full year in, in, in pro you know with the, them believing that he was gonna he was gonna play for them as soon as the lockout ended yeah so I went down I signed a two-way I signed a um, two-way with the low lock monsters and of the American League and the Florida Everblades of the East Coast. I'm looking at hockey being like, ah, yeah. ah, that's right. Yeah, correct. And, well, uh, you know your life. The tough thing about Lowell that season is it became a dual affiliate. So um, Calgary and um, Carolina were both feeding feeding players in there. And that, you know, during the lockout, it's it's like a totem pole. Everybody gets knocked down. We had yeah. Eric Stahl and Jeez. a bunch of great players coming to play there. So I ended up starting in the East Coast League that year. Had a, had a good year. Got called up. I think I was there for 30 games, 33 games, played maybe half of them, 15, 10 to 15, I think. So when you're sitting in the ECHL and there's a lockout, are you like, am I going to go to the NHL? Is this something that you're even dreaming of? Are so, you a guy from St. Cloud State who just happened to be still dancing? Like, you know, I was go? I was having fun. I was playing with some great players. And when, when you're playing in the East Coast League, it's kind of a unique experience because the team pays for your, for your board. So we're sitting in Fort Myers, beautiful area. We've got a gated community, an apartment complex with pool and barbecues, but the whole team's living there. <laughs> the older guys with their wife and kids, the younger guys that are all living together, and we hung out all the time, and you become great, great friends with these guys. And we had a great team. We ended up losing in the, in the Kelly Cup finals that year, so it was a lot of fun. Um, Were you thinking in those days, though, I'm going to be in the NHL, I'm going to play 10 years? Yeah, I did. Gonna... To be honest with you, I was, I was confident in myself, and I thought, cool. you know, I'm going to make it. Good for you. And I didn't think it was going to take as long as it did, but, you know, I was I was fortunate. From there, I, I signed my first one-way American League deal in Rochester. And uh, once again, I signed my, my contract, and about a week later, they signed a dual affiliation again. 
with the Buffalo Sabres and uh, who that always at Rochester had always been Buffalo, but yeah. then the Florida Panthers signed there too. So they're sending guys up there. And I'm do thinking, you think dual affiliates are bad for development? Like, do you think you, you think you, you know go away I, from them? I don't. I don't think they're great for the reason that no matter what, some players are probably going to get a little more opportunity than other players, and it's not necessarily on purpose, but it's just what I saw. That's the way it went. You know, the head coach here might have had, you know, been working for this team for quite a while, and he's going to look after these guys a little bit more than maybe these guys. And I remember the players are complaining about that a lot. Oh, yeah. Did I necessarily see it? No, because I was worried about myself trying to stay in the lineup and such. But so <laughs> they had a lot of guys there, and for about an hour and a half, I had been sent down to the, get this name, the Shreveport Mud Bugs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once a mud bug, always a mud bug, yeah. it says on the wall. And I never actually left Rochester. Gregory Campbell ended up getting called up to Florida. So I got called back up and then finished the season there. Had a pretty good year for my opportunity, but it was pretty wild. Um, signed, uh, this is when my career really, I, I think, started to take off. I signed uh, another one-way con- or American League deal in Hershey yeah. with the Bears. And I had some injuries that year. I had a, b- a bad back injury that held me out. But at the end of it, you know, I had a great year. Um had a great playoff, and we lost in the cup finals to the Hamilton Bulldogs. Who, oh, yeah, I'm just looking here. 12 points in 19 games in the playoffs. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah, for you know a fourth-line guy. But I got to get a little power play time back then. <laughs> <laughs> Used properly. I did. Yeah. And, uh, so you went all the way to the Color Cup? Yeah, and we lost Sick. to Hamilton, who I didn't think was a great team. And I'm not taking any credit away from them. But that was the year Carey Price came out of junior after, what did they win, uh, World Junior that year? Yeah. And, and he came in, and, man, he was... It's pretty good. He was solid. Such <laughs> a young kid just coming out of junior, too. It was pretty pretty neat. But then I finally I got my, my first NHL deal. I uh, signed a two-year deal with the Boston Bruins. And uh, knew I probably didn't have a real good chance of making the NHL team, but I wanted to you know, go to camp and kind of prove I belonged. And so that was your first NHL training camp? That was my first NHL and camp. And you're how old? I would have been... 26 yeah. and you're still like i'm going to the show boys yeah, I'm thinking, good on you think man i just got us a little my first signing bonus yeah. and it wasn't for much but i was excited counts yeah and i went to camp and had a pretty good camp um went to providence had a very good year but providence was full of talent um peter shirelli had come in a year or two before peter shirelli and they were bringing in nothing nothing but some really, really t- good young forwards. He's a super good GM, by the way, if you're wondering. He did an outstanding He's job. Really with smart. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> he did. Um, so after that first year in Providence, I had to ask for a move. I, you know, I, I said I need an opportunity. I, I don't think I'm going to get it here. And, you know, they, they moved me to Colorado for Johnny Boychuk. So it ended up working out great for both guys. I played the next year in Cleveland. Had a bad injury with a block shot, broken foot, but. Only played forty some games. I think I missed twelve weeks with that injury. Yeah, it was it was nasty, but got my first call up that year at the end of the season. I think I played four games in Colorado that year, and and uh, must have had a tilt in those four games. Yeah, thirteen I, penalty minutes according yeah. to the internet. No yeah. big deal. I fought uh, Wade Brookbank. It was my first well, NHL fight. Not picking any spots first no. time. Oh, that's all <laughs> Just right. Just trying to make some noise. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, uh, okay. from, and then I, you know, and then so your I'm contracts a, up at the end of that year. Though. And yep, you got one game in the show Four, s- four, sorry, four. four, you slid yep. him in at the end. Yep. Slid him in at the end and, uh, kind of get at that crossroads again. You got to make a decision. What do you want to do? Do you 
do you try to go back to Colorado or do you try to go somewhere else with a little bit of experience? And, you know, I talked to some coaches that I'd play for in the past and they just said, you found a little niche there. See if you can make it work. So I went in uh, at the ripe old age of 28 for uh, my second training camp in Colorado. And the best story I got out of that is the year before when I was 27, going into my first year in Colorado, I'd scored a couple goals, had a good camp, made it till the last exhibition game got cut after that. Um, In Las Vegas, we were playing L.A. Get off the plane at three in the morning and they send you down. And it was tough because I thought I played well enough. I, I I played well enough to stay there that long. Yeah. You know, and for a guy at 27 years old, I knew I'd done something there. So at 28, I'm coming in and I always go in two weeks early, especially in, in Denver to get used to the altitude and stuff. And Cody McLeod, who's a really good friend of mine and was real close to me when I was there and kind of played similar positions. We're on the same line a lot. And he said, listen, you scored last year and didn't do anything for you. He said, you got to go out there and act like there's not a puck on the ice because that's what they're looking for. You're not going to be a second, third line guy. So I went out and uh, first Burgundy White game, I fought my roommate, Chris Derno. <laughs> I fought my buddy, Chris Stewart. Then we played, uh, after that game, we went down and played in Dallas. I fought Raymond Sawada, came back home to Denver, played L.A. I fought Rich Kloon and Matt Green in that game. And then um, went to... Oh, play L.A. again. And uh, Wayne Simmons, I fought him, and he broke my nose, put it on the other <laughs> side of my face. <laughs> but uh, You'd arrived at that point, though. Yeah, they kept me. And you know, I had a pretty good year for, for the most part, other than some injuries. And, and you never went back to minors, did you? Nope, never did. Stayed in the show. Yeah. That's awesome. I love yeah. that story. Do you think it's a yeah. different experience when you're doing it kind of in the second half of your career rather than you're like, I'm 18, I've got 2 million U.S. in my jeans, I'm an idiot. Right. Who wants a Lambo? Well, you know what? Yeah, like the first year, I think I made about sixteen thousand five hundred dollars in the East Coast League, or something like that. And you're living on credit cards and stuff for the you know, a lot play. of the beginning of my career. Yeah, you're not making a lot of money, so you're not doing it for that. I just love to do yeah. it. And I had a dream of making it to the NHL for, to win a cup. So you were in Colorado, right? You played yep. uh, that year, uh, and then then you went to Washington. How'd you get? Yep. To, how did you get to the Caps? So. I thought I had a great year in Colorado, nine goals. Six, in 50 games? Yep, in 50 games. Never a healthy scratch. Those are all injury misses. Um, and they offered me a one-way at the same money. And I'm thinking, man, that's crazy. I'm looking around the league, and you're doing your comparables, and you're thinking somebody will somebody will take a chance on me. And that didn't happen. It didn't happen for anybody. That was one of those years where guys are taking huge pay cuts. Oh, really? And I'm – lower on the totem pole so i'm waiting for the bigger guys to sign and it's not happening it's not happening and then next thing you know you're like crap so bruce boudreau who i played for in hershey that year i told you i had that good season he's coaching washington and they call with an opportunity to to take a tryout on a pto and i had i had a bunch of two-way offers american league uh, nhl deals and i thought i i thought i could get better than that good and, on you iron yeah. pass ready what you listen to this yeah. a lot of heart over here yeah. i respect it so i took a chance there and they took a chance on me and she it, walked into washington pto and made the team yeah damn i got pretty lucky though i scored a hat trick in the first exhibition game of pretty against lucky Columbus. after grinding that long i got pretty lucky and oh, scored yeah. so you decided to reverse it you earned your luck i'm at not that going point. with cody mcleod's advice this yeah, time i'm yeah. gonna score and right. get myself the contract right and uh 
So Hattie in your in the first preseason game. That's yeah. hot. Oof. Yeah, was, that's that's probably one of the more clutch performances you ever had to roll out when you're like really one about two it. goal game since then. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long time ago. Preseason on a PTO and you roll out a hat trick. That's yeah. a so performance. Uh, on when the did you when did you get the now did you sign a one year deal with the Caps? I that signed year? a one year, one year. Yep, and it ended up being a two way deal because that's what we agreed upon. Yeah. And I think they ended up calling. Gosh, it was pretty pretty early into the year to start working on an extension. Yeah, because that was your year in Wash. You had 110 pims. You had 25 points in 75 games. Like yep. good numbers for a, for a bottom six guy. Right, right. So you and went from PTO walking on to midway through the year doing an extension. Yep. Ha! Yeah. And good that, on you. Those are my. I did a two year one way and. When you signed that, that was, extension, we just like I did it, everybody. That was amazing. Yeah. That must have been amazing. For yeah, you. it was. It was exciting. And, you know, good for good for my family and and well, my good for you for sticking my dad with was it. excited. Yeah. yeah. And where did you meet your wife along the trail? We met uh, back at St. Cloud. In college. Oh, okay. Yeah. Way yeah. back in the beginning. Yeah. Before the come up. Oh yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> she was making more than me. We still joke about that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe talk a little bit about how important it is once you get that one way. How that feels. You know, that was like a. It honestly, Struddy, felt like I took my first deep breath. You know, when they told me to get my, you can go look for a place to rent in Denver, you take a deep breath there. But it wasn't until you get that one way did you feel like your life had changed now. But you're pretty grounded, so you got your first paycheck where you're like, straight to Jacob the jeweler, look at me. I'm buying a crown. No, I went straight home. (laughs) Bike shorts. Do you remember the first time? Rattlers, maybe. Do you remember the first time you were in the NHL and the big league bucks hit the bank account where you're just like, oh, shit. Visa starts calling you for the right reasons. I do remember because I remember Kim, my wife, calling me up and saying, hey, uh, how are things going there? I said, good, good. I don't know. They tell you to get a place yet? No, I don't know. She's like, well, we got about $10,000 in the bank account, so we need to start getting paid soon. And then whammy. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah it was uh, it was life-changing for sure. I remember my first check, we weren't having direct deposit. This is a few years ago, but uh, Zygmunt Palfi, we, I was sitting beside him in our locker room, and he said, come and literally put your checks where you get changed, your clothes, like where your clothes are hanging. Yeah. And I picked my check. I think it was for like eight grand. It, it, I was like, oh my God. I've never had an <laughs> I'm going to Jacob the jeweler. <laughs> no, I had a $500 Hugo Boss suit in Long Island. Oh, and Ziggy yeah. Palfi's beside me. He looks at me, he's like, do you want to trade? And I look at his, is like for like 92000 I'm like, yeah. you know what? I'd love to, but I'm happy with this eight. And I ran to the <laughs> bank and deposit. I couldn't get it in fast enough, right? Because yeah. it's so, you know, you're, you're making, it's such a big change. You right. know, it's a man, it's just. Yes, I made it. You know, it's not for the money, but it's kind of a way of keeping score a little bit. It is. As far as your career. Right. Well, maybe later totally in life, too, you're settled, right? So you're kind of a fully four human being when the money starts rolling in. Right. I think it's hard for these kids who wheel in and they're just like, I'm from the Urals of Russia and yeah. I've got $12 billion. You know, I think it's different for every player, but I don't know. I think a lot of the guys that I play with, their parents have done such a good job in bringing right? them up and they're, yeah, they they understand it. You know, they get it. It's the game's so crazy now and how young it's become. And huh. these kids are so much more mature than, than I was at, you know, a buddy of mine played for the Cavs back in the day. And he said that you'd like come out of the practice facility and the NHL was there. And there's like a few Benzes, a couple F one fifties. He's yeah. like, then the wizards would roll in. And it's like a Lamborghini yeah. welded to a Bentley yeah. and an entourage of 50 people and right. stuff like that. Yeah. He's like hockey players actually as, as athletes go, aren't that crazy with the dough. Right. Yeah. yeah I just, 
It's different tastes, I guess. But especially when you're a little older, too, and you've struggled, and then the money starts rolling, and it's a little easier to deal That's with, That's right? for sure. Yeah. You want to start saving because you, you're trying to make up for lost time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to backfill <laughs> seven years yeah. of the minors. Uh, Matt Hendricks is with us. Uh, Jason Greger, Jason Struggle, Wanye Gretz here on the Real Life Podcast. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, we, we talk about decisions and how sometimes – decision that you think's the right one doesn't really pan out right away, but then turns out that it becomes good uh, later on. Let's talk about the uh, Nashville Edmonton uh, decision with Matt Hendricks on the real life podcast brought to you by Finning Canada. It's late and you just finished a full day of work. Your equipment is done for the day and tomorrow bright and early. You start all over again. You know what you need to keep it running smoothly, but there's not a break in the schedule to make that happen. With over 1.4 million cat parts at your fingertips on parts.cat.com, getting that part just became easier. Any device, anytime, anywhere. Get what you need, when you need it. Order today, parts.cat.com. We are back in the Real Life Podcast, brought to you by Finning Canada. The parts you need when you want them, the right parts for your equipment, that's Finning Canada. And uh, we talk about it, uh, Matt, you talk about the decision uh, the one time you said, you know what, I'm not taking this one-way deal, I'm going to wait. And uh, then you had to go to a PTO and it ultimately worked out. Uh, then, of course, uh, later on in your career, you you had the uh, after Washington, I think it was uh, the summer of 13, 14, your free agent, and the orders were calling, the Nashville Predators were calling, and you ended up signing, I think it was a four-year deal with the Preds. How close, what was the deciding factor on why Nashville over Edmonton at that time? Uh, you know, I, knew, I knew my age, and I obviously liked the way that Nashville played, and I felt they had a better, a better opportunity to win. That's fair. You no, know, I like and, the honesty. And that's what, to me, that's what it came down to. Until a little sure. draft lottery happened, and all of a sudden, <laughs> everything changed. But you know, let's take take us through that part where you get to unrestricted. Because for some guys, it's somewhat nervous. Yeah, you know, and you you knew you were going to get a contract. It wasn't like previous years for you. So, right. yeah, you know, your agent just take us through the process. Because a lot of people at home don't know what it's like. They think it's just like everyone's calling, and you're like, yeah, just here, here. But you know, your thought process and how that worked with your agent. Well, I was to be honest with you. There's always a bit of nervousness because. We negotiated with Washington for a while, and it just it just didn't work. It wasn't going to work out. And you remember what happened the last time for me. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of unsettling. And you've got a wife, and then we had uh, boy-girl twins at that point that were, that were real young. And they get nervous as well because you're putting them through the same stuff. You know, the same stuff I'm going through, she's going through, and the kids are going through. So <clears throat> it was a little bit nerve-wracking, but... It, it started to get a little, that was the first summer that they allowed that kind of courting process mm-hmm. where they can call a week ahead of time and try to bring you down on a visit and talk to you a little bit. And that's what happened with Nashville's. I ended up taking a visit there because I wanted to, I wanted to see it out. And the other kind of thing with Nashville is that I, they drafted me and I kind of wanted to go back and, and play for them. And it was, it was unique. And then you get into, you get into July 1st and, you have ideas now of who's going to be calling, who's going to offer what, and you kind of wait it out. And you, you know, for me, it was I was looking for an opportunity to win, but I was also looking for, you know, financial support. Of course, like that making up for the well, no, lost and you time. sign a four-year right. deal, and you're right. like, ah, everybody, right? right. Yeah. What's and, up now? And I, it, it it was it was good in Nashville because in Tennessee, there's no state tax. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So I I would make a little bit more off that end, and in terms of living expenses. Properties are pretty, pretty cheap down pretty there. Pretty reasonable, right? especially compared to you know Washington where we were before, or 
and Edmonton. Where People we don't now. take that into account when they're thinking about where guys sign. Like, if you're playing in New York State, you are shelling out. If you're in California, you are shelling out taxes. Oh, yeah. So Nashville <laughs> has no state taxes. No state tax. That's a big save. Yeah, so that added. And I, my math serves me correctly. I think it was going to be about another 700000 over the course of the four-year deal. Oh, yeah, so, that's a big difference. Yeah. I'd be like, that, go Preds. Woo, yeah, see you later. Yeah. Exactly. Fang so, fingers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. No shit. Mm-hmm. So that all goes into play with it. But And Edmonton's good as a tax destination too, right? Because we have no provincial tax. It's gotten better. Yeah, you're, well, no, do we or not? Is yeah, it? yeah, there's provincial yeah, tax. Income tax? Yeah, yeah, there's there's tax. I don't pay taxes, Gregor, because they pay me that's, gift certificates. Yeah. So I'm just like, Alberta taxes is lower than a lot of the yeah, other state taxes. Yeah. Sure. Compared to Quebec and Ontario, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And then you're going to file again as an American, though, right? Like your tax returns look like a Beijing phone book at the end right. of the year. Yeah, oh. you've got a lot of. I'm sure you've looked at those lots. And I get a headache. <laughs> well, you get them, you go <laughs> in, your accountant says, here you are, and you say right. thanks, and you sign for them, you see right. them. So now you're in Nashville that year. Yep. And I remember when I talked to you when you got traded, you were actually quite happy because when you got there, you kind of didn't get to play as much as you were hoping. So the, the right. Devin Dubnik trade for you. Came to a to a team, even though Edmonton was struggling, you were probably like, "Hey, at some point, as much as you're making the money, you just want to play." Right. You know that's that's a good point. And, and Nashville needed a goalie, and I was a piece that was in in the lineup. I got I got healthy scratch one game that year, but I wasn't getting the opportunity that I wanted, and I wanted to prove to them, you know, the, the contract you gave me is worth it, and I wanted to be worth it, and it just never ended up working out. And to be honest with you, coming here. It, it was good for me because I'm playing with a bunch of young guys. Got to, you know, use that leadership role a little bit more than I did in Nashville. And I was so pumped when you came. I'm like, oh, f- finally, we got some vets in here with some moral fiber. Yeah. Like, I remember the one year in Washington, yeah. you had like 118 penalty minutes or whatever yeah. it was. I'm like, yes, Hendricks, get in here and put some <laughs> iron in this dressing room. Right. And you did. You delivered. You've been a great one. Did you Thank know you. anything about Edmonton before you came here? Well, like, other than playing. I, I played with the- Jason Shamira. Oh, okay. And the drive from the Fort Mac to Old Rexall isn't the prettiest. It doesn't give you a great insight on the city. Yeah. yeah. So Chimmer would always tell me, hey, you got to come here in the summer. It's gorgeous. Out of boy, Chimmer. Out of boy. Get word out there. Chimmer loves Edmonton. So I talked to him about it a little bit. But I, no, I didn't know much other than just playing here when, on the road. And uh, now, you know, obviously uh, you play basically three and a half years with the, uh, with the orders and you're up as a free agent again. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, later on in your career how how is your mindset this year maybe heading to free agency different than it was even four years well, ago? it's just a lot of uncertainties yeah, I want to continue to play I think I have more to give to the game and and to to a team out there that's looking for for what I bring yeah it's it's tough because I enjoyed I enjoyed playing here in Edmonton I know there's some tough times that weren't a lot of fun for for the fans and for the team but I enjoyed the guys I played with or Tremendous, and that's what I'm going to miss most, most for sure about being here. How difficult was the last month for you? As fun as it was to yeah. see the city, and you were out there for every warm-up, but you didn't get to play in the game. Is it, strange as it sounds, because that's what you played for, was to finally get the team back, right? You were yeah. one of the guys, and then you get to the playoffs. How, how difficult was that for you? And you're, I know you're yeah. an ultimate team guy, but how tough was that? It was, it was tough. For the, I think the biggest thing was just learning to accept it. And understanding that where this team is going, the direction they're going in, is away from the way you play, and it's away from your your age, to be honest. And and these guys need to get experience. So it was that was tough to accept it. But once I accepted it, and the guys are great, 
they were great for me in the room. You know, they wanted me in the locker room. They wanted me taking warm-ups during the playoffs, so I was there. That felt good. And so I, I just bought into that. There's mornings you wake up staring at the ceiling thinking, ah, this is going to be, it's not a good, it's not going to be a good day. And you just got to go in there and, and just be a good pro and, and keep their spirits high, keep the emotion in the game and, and make it fun for everybody. I would suggest one of the reasons you've had such a good career is because you're such a good team guy, you know, and, and, yeah, I'm sure you played with a lot of guys who are more skilled. You know, and we yeah. all did. And there's obviously <laughs> guys that are more skilled than everyone. But, you know, do you think that your attitude and your willingness to be a good team guy helped make your career as, as great as it's been? I mean, it's been a great, great, great career. career. You know, and I think so. I, I do think that. And I played with a, for a great captain, a great leader in Colorado, Adam Foote. Oh, yeah. And that's what he preached, you know, was being a good teammate, being a guy that, that gives us all every day because everybody sees that everybody, all your teammates are seeing that. And they may not, they may not have to do that to stay in the league, but when they're seeing you do do that, they know you're doing it for them as much mm-hmm. as you, you're doing it for yourself. Can I try a segue? Ready? Great leaders. Did you know that you have the exact same amount of career points as Connor did this year? <laughs> I do. do you want to talk to that and be like, Oh, I watched this wizard just pump a hundred points onto the board. You want to talk about that we for a minute? We joke about that a lot in the locker room, actually. Is he just, <laughs> is he just lights out beyond yeah. anything you could imagine? I think, seeing? And, I, and I did hit a hundred career I was just points. Say so before him. he hit his hundred. Yeah. Oh, nice. yeah, right. <laughs> What's it like now? At you, not with all due respect at your age yeah. and all of a sudden the new future of everything skates in. Like, has it just been mind blowing to see it's, him on a daily basis? It's been great. Um, what a great guy he is. You can tell his parents did a tremendous job in raising him and respects everybody in the room, no matter their skill level. And to be honest, I think he, I think Connor really cares about his teammates. You know, sometimes I think that might be why he doesn't shoot all the time. He's trying to <laughs> help them pad their stats. Does he do stuff? <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, does he just, but does he do stuff on a regular basis where you're just like, I did not know a normal human being did that with well, that? Of course, and we all see that in the highlights, but I think. Like in practice, though, in like just day-to-day stuff, is he even yeah. like at half speed just doing stuff that you can't believe? Yeah, he's he's a lot of fun to be around on the ice, that's for sure. It's it's a highlight reel every day. Wow. Now, yeah. you are uh, you have a big sense of humor. I know a few years ago you, uh, you'd follow, uh, uh, I think it's uh, I Suck at Picking on Twitter because he used to Photoshop a lot yeah, of the order yeah. photos, and you'd be like, oh, my God, this one's great. <laughs> yeah. And you you built, I think you did a like a, a collage or something up at the end of the season. Is that right? Yeah, I sent a few out to some of the guys, and you know, like the Cast Nation ones, and all those ones are just, they're awesome. Now, the one picture that was not Photoshopped, of Connor with the the mom and the dad oh, at the airport recently. God. So that happened during the playoff. Please tell me that you guys were having a field day with that photo. That was wild. <laughs> I felt so bad. I posted that photo and I didn't mean it in like a mean way. Like, ha ha ha. Like the third comment, this girl's like, that's my best friend's parents. They're the nicest people in the world. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. Backpedal, backpedal. Like, yeah, so they were fine about oh, it. But, but that's, that's so cute though. That Let's picture, be like, And Connor's well, holding kinda, his little hand. It's kind of hard no. to feel. Uh, normal oh, there when they got the death God. grip on you. So oh, cute death right. grip. I think it's inappropriate. Four I think you've got to give guys the room. This couple. poor guy's getting crap. I think oh it's too much. God. You can't invade another guy's personal space. Oh my God, they're an elderly couple. It's not it like it's matter. me doing it, even though I want to. <laughs> you don't know where their hands It's just, I, I didn't like it. you got to keep it You're just sad because nobody manhandles oh, you at the I airport on the way to town. They're like, Mr. Strudwick, please put your pants on in customs. No, no, yeah, well, that's a whole other story. No one offered you a script search. I don't want people crowding up on you. Like, I mean, I was a pretty nice guy, but after a while, it's like, hey, get your hand in my pocket, man. Like, uh, but let's be honest. If that's your teammate and you see that picture in the room, Struds, oh, the best. Uh, like, yeah. it's funny no, for what, them. Okay, but. so what? Like, 
give us a scene. Like, who was the first person to show that to the rest uh, of the guys? I think I'm not sure who's who showed it, but I think Patty Maroon was the one talking about the ball. He was laughing. And he's a big guy and he's got a great loud laugh. <laughs> well, because uh, Connor looked so small. Like he was kind of like he was just trying to get into his suit oh, yeah. as much as he could. He was like, okay, get away from me. And I know it's a still shot. And, yeah. and he kind of joked about it afterwards, but oh, that at the, at the time, you know what? You're heading into what, a really stressful game. That must have been a good kind of relief oh, yeah. of the pressure for the for guys. sure yeah it was good you yeah. can make a highlight reel though of awkward connor and gretzky pictures in edmonton in 2017 <laughs> that would blow minds like i feel bad for gretzky some of the photos he's just like on his way out of earls and there's nine people posing for a photo <laughs> with him and stuff but if you look at their faces not the players faces for a yeah, moment look at yeah. that nice little old lady that lady's having the time of her life oh yeah and yeah. that is the highlight of her year guaranteed yeah and that just in my that goes to show what connor's done for this whole city you know he's He's been a great pro since day one, yeah. but he's he's led this team to where they are right now. Now you're 35. You get to that stage of your career. Yep. Are you a guy who's thinking coaching when your career's done? Would you want to be a coach or because you you have young uh, kids, yep. uh, young children, uh, you're just getting close to uh, going into school? Are you a guy who's like, you know what, I want to take a few years off and just be dad, or do you want to get into coaching? I've thought a little bit about it, but I'm trying not to. You know, making it in the show here, Gregor. Don't you understand the theme of his career? Yeah, he's he's not done in the show until he says no, he's done in the show. But a lot of guys We're not who, thinking about coaching. But a lot of guys who are coaches say the final three years of their of their career, they start they pay more attention to oh, what coaches okay. do. No, right. I agree. I would agree with that. I think it just comes with growing in the game. You know, you got you're growing from your first pro game to, to the end of your career. And I think this is just the next step. Because I definitely pay a lot more attention to the things that are being said and the tactics that they're using on the bench. Like when you're younger, you don't you don't think anything anything of it. But I've definitely started to watch that, and I've been watching. <clears throat> excuse me, been watching a lot of hockey lately. Being up in the press box or downstairs, and you tend to pick up on a lot more of that stuff. What about as far as your kids? You uh, going to get them into hockey or skating? Well, I fast first. Yeah, we had them down at the Glenora Club there with the Learn to Skate Canada Learn to Skate program, and that was great. They both had a lot of fun. My daughter Lennon, she's leaning a little bit more towards figure skating now. She wants to get those. But Gunner, yeah, he's a uh, uh, he's a chip off the old block. Whoa, your yeah. kids are named Gunner and Lennon. Yeah, that's gangster. <laughs> that's awesome. Really? Yeah. Like yeah. Gunner? What was the, like the two twins, Gunner and Nelson? Uh, I don't is that, was it? What's the band? The two guys with long hair. The band Nelson, isn't there? Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, is that what? Gunner after that? I don't think it was Gunner. I don't think it was named Gunner. What? I don't know. I'm not no, from where, the 60s where, like you Where'd you name uh, where'd you get the names from? So um not a hundred percent John Lennon, but we're both big fans of the Beatles. And okay. That's cool. We thought it was kind of unique. And then uh Gunner, my my mom's hundred percent Swede. Oh, okay. So that's a, oh. a very Scandinavian oh, name. Oh, yeah. There's a lot yeah. of gunners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen to you. Well, I was no. just leafing through the phone book yeah. the other day. <laughs> gunner uh, this and Gunner Ma that. Magnus Byrie's father's name's Gunner. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's one. Told me that Gunner's a pretty popular name. Yeah. You were talking Oscar Clefbaum, and it came up that Gummer's a popular name. Gunner, Gummer. Not Gummer. <laughs> that never happened. <laughs> oh, I don't know what combos you and Clefbaum have, but Gummer never comes up in my conversation <laughs> with him. Like, Thank God we can edit talk this about out. invading space yeah. there, Strutty. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm kind of like, yeah, it might be a little personal there, <laughs> yeah. Mr. Clefbaum. So yeah, I try to keep it in. Yes, Gunner is a very popular name in Sweden. Yeah, it's the, it, the meaning behind it is Scandinavian warrior. So I thought that oh. was that was pretty neat That's too. Cool. So. Nice. It's a boy and girl. 
Point a girl. So you got him dumping it. You said he's chip off the old block. He's yeah, dumping yeah. a chaser. He's in skill. You're I'm trying to teach him to score. <laughs> I'm trying to teach him, but I think I might have to hire somebody for that. <laughs> yeah. You're no, like, all uh, you got to do is get a caddy in the preseason, four-year extension, boom, yeah, you're done. Yeah. Golden. It's... Yeah, he uh, he loves hockey, and we joke around, though, that his his favorite player, you ask him, it's not his dad, it's it's Connor. Oh. And then second is Leon. Oh. Third is Cam. Damn it. Where's Jeez. my name? Like... And then we call Gribe a big bear, so he's number four. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm coming in at fifth here. I didn't even good. get an honorable yeah. mention. Yeah. Yeah. Top five, Dad. Top yeah. five. Uh... Well, that's, you know, uh, kids are smart. Nothing wrong. Yeah. Now, what's funny, you know, you kind of joke about, hey, somebody else has to teach me skill. But when you were a cloud, say, like, you were a point of game guy. Right? Yeah. Like, I think a lot of people forget you get to the NHL. And you're a fourth line, you know, third, fourth line guy. Yeah. And they're, oh, he's not that skilled. Most of those guys were all, you're always the best player up oh, until yeah. he got to the NHL. Right. Like no how question. hard, how hard was that to adjust to suddenly going from a point of game guy to knowing, okay, you know what? I'm going to have to be a chip it in and out four check hard yeah. and, and not get to score goals much anymore. Like right. when did it take you or how long, if ever, did it take you to realize, okay, you know what? Well, Matt, the score, see you later. I'll show up in preseason once in a while, but for the most part, that's not going to be me. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, I think early in my career, I always thought I could do that in the okay. NHL. Yeah. And that's probably me being a little naive. And it took me a lot longer to realize what I had to do to make it. And I think that probably came in around around when I was in Hershey about becoming a great penalty killer because you know, there's always there's always jobs for that. Always being a good face-off guy, even though I wasn't always playing center. You know, I played a lot of center in the American League, but I, w- I would find myself on the wing quite a bit too. So if I could be the best at taking faceoffs, and I'm glad I did that because that's ultimately what ended up getting me to this level. So finishing checks too. I remember when you first came, like, oh my God, there was a finished check. <laughs> this is how you do it. You finish your checks, people. Jesus, look at Hendricks. He knows what to do. Yeah. Oh, it was great. Um, I think me just getting to the NHL was was enough. And then you try to bring most of that with you but once you start making mistakes playing on the fourth line you find yourself on the bench you just it's the nature of the game you don't have a very you don't have a very long leash if you even have one what was in this one last one for me matt uh so far in your career to date what what has been your your favorite kind of wow i'm an nhl hockey player moment i would say probably my second year in washington where I, dale hunter came in for bruce bruce boudreau I don't know if it was right around Thanksgiving time or not, but as that progressed um, playing under him, I kind of, I've got more ice time and more of a shutdown role where we, uh, Jay Beagle and Troy Brower and I would, would play against the other team's scoring line. So I got a lot of opportunity to play. I got a lot more comfortable. I wasn't scoring a lot by any means, but I had a really good role that I loved. I loved going out and taking fa- face-offs in the D zone, being the first penalty killer on the ice and, and then we went to the playoffs, and we beat the Bruins in seven games in Boston, and they were the defending champs. And I scored a, a playoff goal that night. We won two to one. I had, in game seven. Yeah, I had the first right. one. And then we played New York and ended up losing two heartbreakers in that series and eventually lost in game seven. We lost in a triple overtime um, at home, and we lost. <clears throat> we had, there was about 45 seconds on the clock. We're up by a goal, double minor high sticking. They scored two goals. They scored one to tie it to put it into overtime and then that power play continued and they scored again so we lost those two games and then still ended up getting a chance to win in game seven but we lost and I look back at that team as a team that really took a huge step and I was a big part of it and it was a lot of fun playing in those games 
Oh, I could ask one last question. Yeah. It's got, a, it's got a photo element to it. See this photo? <laughs> nope. You know what that is? Nope. You don't know what that is? Nope. Okay, we won't talk about it. I know what that is. I got spies everywhere in this whole city. And I won't say that you were there. And I won't say you have to snitch. But I know that you know what that photo is. All right. That's the end for me. Well, that's like the worst story ever. What uh, is I'll it? tell you about it when oh, we're done. Geez. I just wanted to see if everybody knew what that was in that conversation. It's not Strudwick's suitcase, I hope. <laughs> it might be <laughs> well uh maddie it was it was great uh having you come on the podcast i know we were supposed yeah. to do that. Uh, before i let you go i do have to ask you about uh one of your big passions in hunting yeah um uh Gribo, i know was uh doing all his duck photos on instagram right. and everything he like was that. heavy into it was he? he's, he's loving was it. he selling bird calls or something too <laughs> well like, he has a, yeah he has a company he's where making he's, some yeah. loot he makes, duck, makes duck calls good on yeah. him but um what got you into hunting and uh what's uh what's your uh, your favorite uh hunting pastime so I've always been uh, big into fishing. My dad and I got into that quite a bit when I was younger. My dad wasn't a real big hunter. Um, as I got older, though, I, I I just felt like I felt really attracted to it, and I wanted to get into it. Um, didn't get to do a lot of it where I was playing. Um, when I got up to Edmonton, though, uh, I was able to get a bow and go archery hunting, archery shooting. Got really excited about that and into it. And that's kind of just taken off from there. You know, it's it's been great having having gribes on the team and he's always talking about it. So him and I'll sit down and, and, and have a cold one and, and talk about where we're going tomorrow. And we, if we get an off day or something like that. Have you gone with DeBrusque? Yeah, I've been out with Louie a lot. Did yeah. he bring his like giant, like, uh, uh yeah, we Amazonian had a, we had daughters that were right. He's like, my <laughs> daughter looks like me. And she could bow hunt. Yeah. I'm like, I can't even imagine what your daughter looks like. No, Louis no I never met her. But no, Louis, uh, he's pretty big hunter. Guy. Hey, loves it. Loves it. Yeah. And he's been, uh, he's been a real good friend of mine. Since Is that I've right? Been here. And, yeah. I've become real close with Lou. Yeah, he talks so much. Does he scare away the game? <laughs> yeah, we got so. We got to put a muzzle on him. All <laughs> oh my God. He never shuts up. Yeah. Never shuts like Louie. Like enough, man. I got it. No more. And he tells hunting stories all the time. Yeah. I just, I almost jump out of the car. I was like, I can't take it. I'll walk the rest of the way, man. He's passionate about <laughs> oh, it. Train the whole family Absolutely. out of bow hunt. Like, oh, the DeBrusques will live forever enough. in the zombie apocalypse. Because they'll right. just be like, zing, yep. yeah. shooting zombies left and right. <laughs> well, well, Maddie, we really appreciate awesome, uh, you coming on the Real Life Podcast. And uh, all the best. Uh, hopefully the uh, the summer goes uh, well for you and, and you end up uh, signing somewhere, uh, maybe back in Edmonton. And if not, uh, wherever you sign, uh, we'll have you on the uh, the podcast again. And Hopefully, uh, maybe you light it up and, uh, for a Hattie in preseason. <laughs> Thanks, guys. This is, uh, this is a lot of fun for me. So, Matt Hendricks, along with Jason Greger, Jason Strudwick, Wanya Gretz. It's a real-life podcast brought to you by Finning Canada. All the parts you need in one place. 1.4 million parts at your fingertips. Finning Canada. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.